0: Excited to have you on because it's been a while since we spoke, and um, and then then your big Marin interview happened, yeah, and I it was dropped like, today, I was like, shit, too late. Yeah, he, I mean, what what's left? Right, but then, but then I listened. I listened to it on the train right over here. Right, he's, it wasn't very good. No, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was fun. In fact, I was surprised. You know, given like uh, given interviews that he's done in the past, I'm surprised there wasn't more of let's work through my personal shit and this
1: mark and i have a different type of relationship
0: i think than he has yeah. with a lot of people and um, we have got baggage though we've got plenty of baggage
1: oh we got plenty of baggage but i am a little bit um i think i might enjoy it a little bit more the the it, tension yeah and so i don't i'm not looking to resolve it i'm looking to heighten it with yeah him. Uh, but I have to say, it was a little disconcerting to sit across from him and watch him look me up on Wikipedia, <laughs> try and figure out what to ask me, because I've known him for over 20 years.
0: I hope that that's true. Is he actually is actively oh, yes. looking up? No, your, he was actively looking up. You were in the same up. room? Yeah, and no. And he was we on his sitting, phone? Or? No,
1: we were, We. I was in his uh, his garage. Okay, you were, I went uh, out to L.A. to yeah. do his TV show. Mm-hmm. And uh, after we shot it, um did three or four days on it, and after we shot it on Saturday morning, I came in over his house and we went into the garage and I watched him look me up on Wikipedia and that's a little bit
0: so when he's going through and like pulling- like oh pulling these you know crazy things out that you've done over the years it's because he's yeah it was
1: on i yeah it was <laughs> really uh yeah. disturbing, yeah, but um. I, I let him off the hook, or Brendan cut it out. I can't remember, frankly.
0: I can't tell because I, 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 uh, I visited you guys a couple of times when you were doing the break room show, and I couldn't tell how much of it was real the tension between the well, two. Well,
1: he, you know. Um he really, I mean, his uh, the, the way he introed me on his show, I thought it was just full of lies. If it makes you um, feel better,
0: I, like everybody else, skip through the first 15 minutes, which I'm sure you've heard before.
1: You know what? I actually, uh, when I did his TV show, I did it as me, mm-hmm. right? And I came out and I threw that in <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Uh, so I I um, I was able to get that out. I mean, you know, uh, Mark at the time was in not in a very good place, but he was also... Um, he makes it sound like I was difficult to work with. It was actually he was really the difficulty, uh, and um, and it was he he was just not it, he was difficult. He was very difficult. He was in a bad place. He was pissed that we were there. He was pissed that the show wasn't you know huge. And here is the thing: it was a thirty minute show that we did live yeah. on video at three o'clock in the afternoon. Tell me how you could design a show, particularly at that time, because this is like seven years ago, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. not many streaming services. We actually had to get our own content management system, practically. I challenge anybody to design a show that could attract less of an audience well I just i mean just it didn't matter what you put on you you, you could have been porn and we wouldn't <laughs> have uh we wouldn't have had an audience
0: the video quality was about there if i remember correctly but but i mean you, you i think you you actually brought me right to where i i, I wanted to start which was the um you know the, the 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 end of the interview to me started starts exactly where i wanted to start which is um you know, you had said that it could have been a successful show. I, I think your your exact quote was I don't know how long ago you actually recorded that, but your exact quote was If we didn't treat every single episode like it was a pilot for something else, which which I no, I don't mean treat. That
1: was when I was brought on. That was the explicit idea, hmm. and I'm like, this is this is nuts
0: as in as in like we're not not as in we're having fun and it's going to be something different every week as in like let's try to do this will be our springboard onto something else yes yeah
1: and which aspirationally isn't problematic in and of itself but i was the only person in that building who had ever sold a show mm-hmm. to any network mm-hmm. outside of you know I mean, any TV network. I so mean, the, I- the
0: idea was, you know, maybe MSNBC will pick this no, up. No,
1: no. But... The idea was that Comedy Central would pick it I up or, or 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 something like that. And I was like, look, this is not how this happens. You don't do 300 or whatever it is, pilots. Yeah. You do something good in this medium. Yeah, yeah. And then you give them something to redevelop for a different medium, which has happened to yes. Marin. He did a podcast <laughs> it becomes a tv show yeah. and now it becomes a show for vice and it becomes it, it so i was saying what we should be doing is let's do a 3 hour show
0: let's do the best like, let's do thing three, that we can
1: let's do a 3 yeah. hour like radio show mm-hmm. but at the bottom and the, the top of the hour we'll do the videos that we're doing now mm. so basically we just shoot the shit for yeah uh, in between and then we do the 30 minutes of like sort of tight video stuff that we have we just play at the beginning and the, at the, the top and the bottom of the hour, and we put them out through YouTube because I was also watching what um, the Young Turks were doing, mm-hmm. and at that time they were, you know, still somewhat nascent. But on YouTube, you know, they were they had like I don't know sixty thousand subscribers at that point, and that was what I was saying. We need to do this as an internet show, and if and if it becomes a hit, then TV will develop it and. That was um, that was met with a lot of resistance and and so you know it was frustrating because I was like you know we're doing this and you're upset you know that nobody's watching you can't have it both ways of course how I mean and we had maybe maybe there was like i don't know two or three thousand people who would yeah. watch the show, which was not nothing back yeah. then but there's no way you can get more. It's on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Who can watch that live? It, you know, video. Because, like, if you're working, you could listen to the mm-hmm. show in the background. Like, I have people. I do my show now for, uh, is, you know, anywhere from 90 minutes to an hour, or two hours every day live. Mm-hmm. Live streaming. Not a huge audience, but it's much easier for people to listen than to watch. So they have it on in the background at work. Yeah. But if you have to watch... You need to dedicate your attention to it, and I was like, "There's no way that people can take a half hour at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's well, just like, a, like well, a bizarre time."
0: I mean, you, you know, it was it, Air America was very much on on its way out at that point. Was the idea just that, like, we tried the liberal radio thing? It's not a successful thing. Here's something uh, totally new. It's,
1: it's even more complicated than that. I mean, it was there was an owner came in, and you know. I think I mentioned on the, that show with Marin that I had written a script about, about Air America for AMC. Yeah. That yeah. Was, it was a half hour comedy be- back when they thought they were going to get into that business. And um, we had f- six, five different ownership, five different owners over the course of five years, <laughs> six different CEOs. Yeah. And one thing that was clear with every owner that came in. Was that they had sort of like a a third agenda? It wasn't mm. wasn't the politics, wasn't the money. I mean, that was there, but it was always they mm. always had some in some personal thing that they were trying mm. this personal agenda, trying to prove that they deserved the money that they inherited, or trying yeah. to uh, be part of like a an LA liberal scene because they may have come from Silicon Valley or. That this was going to be a, um, uh, a an interim step for me to re-enter politics. Each owner came in with a third agenda.
0: Because to be fair, if you're looking to make you know boatloads of money, that might not have been the first venture you would have gotten into.
1: That wouldn't been the first venture, but but it could have easily. I mean, you have to understand that like we the the amount of success that we had at that point mm-hmm. was. Amazing relative to where the internet mm-hmm. was. I mm-hmm. mean, in 2004, there was no YouTube, there was no Huffington Post, there was no. I mean, there the, the it was completely wide open. Yeah. And at any given five minute segment, our top uh, audio streaming using real, mm-hmm. incidentally, okay, <laughs> was something like thirty thousand people mm-hmm. in any given five minute segment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the reach was huge. Yeah. And um. You know, podcasts weren't even a thing yet. We were selling podcasts and we left – I mean, I, I, at one point I became the editor-in-chief. There was a lot of money left on the table there. It was just – what happened to us is that you have ownership who comes in with no idea, mm. right? Literally no idea mm-hmm. other than what they, they their third agenda is. Yeah. And so they turned to radio people. Well, the only people who are available in radio at this point and certainly then were people who were basically throw-offs from – the clear channel monstrosity. Yeah. And those are people who like, you know, the people who are still a clear channel at that point are are basically I'm going to suck this body dry. Mm-hmm. Like it's a mm-hmm. dying industry, mm-hmm. I'm going to get every dollar yeah. I can out of it. Well, the people who are thrown off of that sort of carcass um come in and they're they have the same attitude, they're even that much more desperate. And so they come in and they have no idea how to do this because it's a completely different business right I mean there's conservative talk radio is a genre Mm -hmm. Spanish talk radio is a genre sports talk is a genre liberal talk is a was a fundamentally different genre so you have a different audience and these people had no idea who the audience was they had no idea the assets that were available Mm -hmm. to us I mean we had like political shops who were coming to us and saying like you know we can micro target Through what we use for political targeting, we can micro target your listeners like down to the point like you want to send a mailer out. Mm. You know, FM Mm -hmm. stations do like hot talk FM mailer to, you know, contest. They just blanket a certain area. We could have had political shops that would have said like for every mailer you send, we can give you like a 90 percent chance that you're going to hit somebody who, who who. who reads the Nation magazine, who, you know, buys uh, whatever it is, recycled goods. free
0: rangey, Yeah,
1: exactly. And none of these radio people were interested in that because it was completely foreign to them. And so, um, but because the owners had no idea, the first thing they did was go to a radio consultant who Mm. was just sort of a hanger-on. And that kept repeating itself over and over again. We kept, like, every eight months we would have a, a pizza meeting with the new owner <laughs> and they would come in and do the exact same thing. And they say like, th- and they all assumed the mistake from the administration before them was the same, which was, you know, it's, it's gotta be entertaining and blah, blah, blah. And then they would come and do the exact same thing. They had no idea what they were
0: talking about. Yeah. You know, I can, I can certainly relate to this having worked in publishing for the past like 10, 10, 12 years. It's very, it's very similar. And, and when I, uh, when I first moved out to New York, I had a couple of internships at magazines. Back when there were magazines, um, you know, the, I remember early on, you know, writing something and it not making it into a magazine and going online felt like a bit of a failure, right? I mean, it was um, there was success in having something printed and having that piece of paper, and and and, and things have shifted, but you've got to you've got to be a little bit ahead of that curve, and you've got you know, you've you've got to. You've got to realize also that this is an entirely new medium. That it's not just um, you're not just sort of adopting all of the old, uh, all the old formats from right. from. And, and this and this is certainly the case right now with podcasting. This is something that, that that I've been thinking a lot in about in this format. And I think that this is a failure with a, a lot of podcasts right now. Is people are just thinking about them as being radio, as being radio in a slightly different format.
1: Well, I mean the the I mean in, in terms of that specific question, like you know. Radio, commercial radio, has been defined as a medium, has been defined by its distribution mechanism. So in commercial radio, if you have a three-hour show, the idea is that you just need to hold people 17 minutes because you want to basically get to the quarter hour and then hold them over the commercial break, and that's how you get your ratings. And that, and that dictates the success of the show. And so, you know, you listen to, like, commercial radio over the course of three hours. You're going to hear the same sort of stuff recycled. Yeah. And, and um, the podcast, theoretically, somebody sits down and they listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to have the commercial breaks when you have them. I mean, it's interesting. You can see it, like, now yeah. where all – as far as I can tell, all of the media brokers – the commercials happen in the same way on podcasts. It's mm-hmm. either a pre-roll mm-hmm. or within the first 15 minutes or as a post-roll. And for the most part.
0: Well, I actually – I had an issue uh, when we started writing ads on this early on of um, – they they always wanted it right smack dab in the middle of the show. That was problematic for me because you know these are these are long form interviews and that's that's actually like having to go Breaking in and it chop it up. Yeah.
1: And well but the the idea being you can see how that can down the road start to stru- you start to structure yeah. your show around yeah, yeah, yeah. the advertising. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We're going to have two interviews. We're going to do the first sure. one, you know, that type of thing. Um and uh the 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 most interesting thing for me with podcasting is like you look at like sort of the NPR uh, this American life they've been making podcasts for years mm-hmm. except for their podcasts would just air once and then yeah. they would just disappear yeah. they were so overproduced yeah. for radio yeah. uh, because it was consumed you'd listen to it once and that's it and you wouldn't necessarily, you'd listen to it in your car or whatever it was and now they were just sort of perfectly situated for the podcast word, right? Because they had really had very well produced. They've already set up a system. They already know, you know, they had a, uh, so, I mean, that's why some of those podcasts I think are so successful. But um, yeah, going back to like the, what happened with break room live was the owner had sort of bought into this idea of like this being a way of, of making a TV show and the consultants that he had hired had convinced him that he needed to spend so much money mm-hmm. i mean it was it was literally like watching by the end that last regime it was like watching um you know uh, some type of like a house of uh, games or whatever yeah. it was like some type of like big con yeah. like these uh, radio consultants had come in and convinced the owner you got to spend money to make money which was exactly the opposite way that we should have gone at that point right the idea yeah. is like you got to make every show self supporting you got to put uh, get people to sell their own podcast you got to integrate it with the web and this and that
0: but what's really interesting to me ab- ab- about that scenario is it sounds like they were building something to sell to somebody else so they weren't even trying to you know they make their they were
1: just building something to to just yeah
0: but hopefully comedy central will pay us money for this thing well
1: and, with our show yeah what happened is our show was the owner on his own had this idea mm. and so the ceo couldn't say to the owner like you can't waste all this money on something like that because he'd already sold them the concept that you got to spend a lot of money to make Mm -hmm. money and so there was a tremendous amount of hostility towards what mark and i were doing from the guys who ran the actual radio thing so when we first were doing this we were like we're going to end up doing this on radio Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we'll have a video element which is exactly what you need to do i mean you know i mean my show is sort of uh, now is sort of an example that like I do YouTube clips of my audio show that is a revenue source. you got – I mean, ultimately, that's how all of this will work if it's going to work is you've got to be able to sell like multiple – you have to sell this product multiple times, mm-hmm. right, in, mm-hmm. in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, advertising, membership, archives, whatever it is. And just the,
0: the idea of people being able to consume it in different forms. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so we thought we were going to be on the radio, but they specifically said to us once we – and they had committed a lot of money to us. We're never going to put you on the radio, even as like filling in for Hugs, because like that's they said that's the old Air America, and when I left, I mean I had a rather contentious relationship with the CEO at this point, and he told me as he was uh, as he was sort of like um, explaining to me like what success was. He said mm. you and I have a different notion of success because <laughs> he wanted to go for the fences and I it was too small, yeah. small potatoes. He said. We're going to have. He saw the web presence as different from the radio thing. He said, mm-hmm. We're going to do an independent. Our brand is going to be, we're going to be independent talk on the radio, but our website's going to be a liberal, like the number one liberal mm-hmm. thing, because he thought we were going to compete with the Huffington Post at that time. And I was just like, yeah, I got to hand it to you because you look at the first guy in media in years to develop a horizontal business plan and i was like you should also open up a shoe store yeah. and refuse to advertise on the website or the radio thing i mean it was such it was so insane this is what the guy said to me just to give you a sense of just how bad he said let me tell you a story i used to work at a at a at a sports talk the biggest sports mm. talk uh, station in yeah. washington dc and we had a reporter uh, writer columnist from the washington post and he uh We had a deal with him, and he had a a rule. He would never talk about what he was going to write about in the Washington Post on his radio show. And I was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, that's not how this works anymore. (laughs) You know, this is like, you don't understand, like, the radio is a billboard for the web show this the is bl- the, the
0: the idea that if, if it's going to be in the new york times it can't be on the new york times on, online exactly
1: yeah. it's insane right i mean that that
0: i mean the stuff that we've paid someone, money to create if someone we, said yeah. that
1: today it yeah. would just be like you just look at them like what planet are you from and even then it was quite obvious that this is a guy who knew fundamentally nothing yeah. about what was happening online and uh or or just how media was going to be consumed and so there was just an incredible amount of, of mismanagement and we were producing very quality stuff, uh, stuff that I think, you know, today, if it was properly uh, structured, Stipulated, it yeah. would have been, it would have been great. Uh, yeah. But so it was, it was unfortunate that that was, that's the long, what, that's a, the long what,
0: what, a, what a weird irony though, that, you know, that they were spending all this money on this thing. And, and, you know, to, I'm sure everybody's familiar with break room live, but in the off chance that, that they're not, um, that it was literally happening in the break room.
1: Well, what happened was is that initially <laughs> the initial show was not the mm-hmm. initial show was um, called Marin v Cedar and it was sort of based upon something that Marin and I had done when he was out in l a and I was upstate I had some guy had developed a technology that sort of looked like like blogging heads i don 't know if you're familiar with that two windows mm-hmm. and I was in one and he was in the other, and people could view it that way and he was in l a and I, so it was sort of like a a, a skype conversation but
0: yeah. without a yeah. mixer it was
1: all web-based and um we were doing this once a week um which you know we didn't even think at the time to put out as an audio product mm. because you know podcasting was just there was no it had not been
0: there's sort of of distribution method, no distribution method yeah
1: and um so when we first did break room live it was marin v cedar versus cedar uh in the um and we would just do it in the studio but it was my feeling was at the time, and I think we we all sort of felt like this just looks so aspirational mm. that it's, you know, we're in a, a studio. We don't have really any money for a set. Yeah. And what's the set for us? It's, it's, it's just it seems ridiculous. And then we were just like, you know, we're really annoying people here because, like I say, the, the CEO did not want us to do this. But he couldn't say to the money guy, don't do this because he had sold them such a bill of goods that – you know that's the one thing having worked for this guy and for the original guy who was a literally a con man is that you know they will say yes to anything because if they say no people start to question them <laughs> no. so they'll they won't it's very interesting dynamic to work in that environment when you're you're watching people literally get bilked out of cash and so we knew that we were annoying to people and we were pissed that we were never going to get on the radio because we assumed, mm-hmm. like, how could they do this? So we were just like, well, where can we put ourselves that we will be that much more annoying? And we're like, let's go into the break room. And people then cannot avoid us. And so we did.
0: You're literally in front of the snack machine.
1: Yeah. And at first that was, uh. you know, eventually what happened is that people just stopped coming into the break room. <laughs> and we were in there. <laughs> But that—that was
0: a fun part of it early on. It was like almost like the, the Today Show, you know, window where there were just people, exactly. you know, doing their dishes. And in the I think
1: early on, you could yeah. see the CEO came in and we crapped all yep. over him, and he yep. never came back in again. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and so being in the break room made more sense because we didn't have to make it look like anything we just sort of built the critique into the show
0: you you, you bring up an in- interesting uh, concept of, of quality too because you know one of the things i mean this is obviously like uh, this is about as low end as it gets um as far as producing podcasts. yeah yeah well and, and i'm wondering you know because this is i mean i've talked about the setup before on the show but it's you know it's a task recorder and two mics plugged in and sometimes the cords work and sometimes they don't um but how important when, – when, when you made the transition, when that ended, when you started um, this show back up, because it was, it was originally an Air America show with, with Janine, when you started this back up, um, how much time did you actually spend getting putting it together, making sure that it looked professional? Or did you just – I can't remember what the show was like super early on. Did you just get out there and start making a thing again?
1: I, I left Air America in 2009, mm-hmm. and I didn't start this for uh, over a year after that after America and so um when I first launched it was this show is, is still to me a primarily an audio product that's where I that's where I make most of my revenue but I'm like sort of starting to upgrade the the video portion because mm-hmm. YouTube's becoming more important my audience isn't necessarily as much on YouTube it's a different you know people youtube's not huge if you want to do something like you know let's do a 45 minute interview on you know the submerged state people who are actually like you know uh, when you get a a, a tax deduction for your mortgage interest that's actually support you know that that's that's not a a, a youtube friendly product but 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 some of the stuff is but um The video was so secondary to me that I actually – one of the things that I specifically did at the beginning was to put the camera at an angle so that it wasn't – there was no – there could be no mistaking that I wasn't trying to make a TV show. Mm. So I had the camera sort of like I wasn't talking to the camera. The camera was just sort of like almost mounted on the wall like it was capturing a radio Mm -hmm. show because I didn't even want to pretend – I had no ability to make it look good, so I wasn't going to try. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, now we're sort of upgrading that, and, but that's been, you know, a four-year process yeah. in terms of the video. But for me, you know, getting good sound, there's, you know, the the, the three elements here, the recording's going to be fine. It doesn't matter where yeah. you record it. Um, And it's really just a question of, you know, putting up the proper baffling and, you know, and then the mic and that's it. And so you can make, there's no barrier to making it sound good, really, other than just sort of can you get a quiet place to sit. So audio is a much easier, much easier thing to enter into. And then it's a question of, you know, for me, I'm doing it five days a week. Mm. I would make a point of we're doing it live. I make a point of communicating that, because um, then the audience gives you a little bit of break on the production quality. Yeah, like this, where we're recording. You really do have time, Brian. Yeah, to go through it and take yeah. out the slow parts and and fix it. And if you don't, then it's just a function of you being lazy. As
0: opposed to when we do this live, it's supposed to be. Or a live we product. just pretend like it's part of the format. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's we the thing. You laugh, have to. Well, that's. I mean, but but that's it too. I mean, that that's that's. Um, you know that, that that's why I in, in enjoy doing this, and that's sort of what I was getting at before with with, with the um, the radio analogy, and and or just you know this idea of every time you have an old medium, and you're moving into a new medium that you're you're adopting everything from that old medium. Is just um, you know why not why not play around with with this? Why not why not use that the, those lacks that the lack of constraint to your to your advantage? You know, I mean you know you you you've got when you're on the radio you've got blocks and you know you're you're hampered by that you're hampered by whatever amount of time that you're on specifically there and then you're hampered by as you said the, the the commercials by you know the traffic weather all these other things but um what's so interesting to me about this is the idea of um trying to capture something that maybe never could have happened on the radio before is using uh the new medium to your advantage
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people do that in terms of, like, you know, doing long-form interviews, but also, like, well, today I'm going to do an hour and a half, and tomorrow I'm going to do 22 minutes. And I I do think, though, for the most part, you know, um, my – in my opinion, audiences like to sort of uh, have some measure of consistency. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, that's the only thing that I think, you know, is is really – but you attract
0: an audience by being by doing it you know especially a certain you know at a certain uh, frequency is a big part of it yeah
1: i yeah. think so and yeah. and sort of just having a basic uh, expectation so now i've fallen into you know i do 5 minutes up front mm-hmm. and headline the news essentially and then i go into a long form interview and then uh, i say goodbye to the free podcast listeners and then i start doing sort of like uh, more Conversational with the audience, I take IMs, I take phone calls, mm-hmm. and do like uh, sort of like um, digestible critiques of right wingers. I, I,
0: but I get, I get like this. I get like this in, in you know, and in, in, in everything I do. I mean, you have to you have to remind yourself every so often that you don't. I mean, obviously. I guess the audience is, you know, to be, to use a cliche, the audience is a boss, but, um, you you don't really have, you don't have anybody directly above you. So theoretically you can, you can mess around with it. You can try new things. Absolutely.
1: I mean, in radio, you do a syndicated radio show, you've got, I don't know, you do it in 50 cities, you've got 50 program directors. That's really the person who hires you. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, it's, that's in and, and on top of like sort of you know at Air America whatever the the chain of command was there too. No, this is like fundamentally different. There's no excuse, mm. you know. You're you can do what you want to do. There's and the thing is is that the model is such. I mean, I, I remember there was a an essay that went around. I think like five, seven years ago, maybe it was eight years ago. I remember reading it then, where you know that model where you need a thousand. Solid fans who mm. give you a hundred mm-hmm. bucks, you know, a year essentially. And that type of model now, you can do a show. I mean, one of the things when Marin approached me, I was living upstate when he wanted to do, when he wanted me to be part of Breakroom Live. Because mm. originally it was just going to be him mm-hmm. doing whatever show it was going to be. And I think they brought me in because they wanted to do politics too. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you. But I remember. Saying to my wife, because at the time I was going to stay upstate and do a podcast there, and 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 do it, try and make a deal with Air America where they would distribute it, and um, but I remember saying to my wife, like I have an audience that is not that large, but it's deep. You know, they uh, very yeah. strong connection because and I'm they'll follow about you from politics. one thing to, to the yes. next. Yeah, but Marin has the ability to get a much wider mm. audience, and so, you know, his numbers in terms of um, uh, downloads, you know, sort of dwarfs mine. But my revenue is like, still dwarfed by his, <laughs> but but not nearly by the same yeah. factor. And yeah. that's because, and I have a different model than he does. Uh, you know, I will never, even if I had his numbers, my advertising revenue would never be as big because... People don't want to be associated with politics. It's mm. just not when they check off that box you know tech sports whatever it sure. is they they're not gonna they just gonna leave politics yeah. blank but um but I have people I think who will pay uh more on an annual basis to listen to my show because they know that there's no other way to to have a show like this mm. and so it's a different it's a different model um but so my audience is much smaller, but my revenue is not nearly as small relative to his.
0: You, you touched on this a little bit before when you were uh, discussing your conversation with the, I think it was the CEO of, of Air America. Um, you know, he said he, I, I, he had said that your idea of success is very different than his idea of success. And um, I'm, I'm wondering at this point, what your idea of success is, and obviously it's something that that's shifted over the years. Um, you know, you've, you've been on tv you know you posted the, the the these radio shows things like that um you know but but with but you know as far as the trajectory of your own career and also again this idea of a a changing medium um and really a fragmentation of um a, a, of media w- what would you consider a success right now I mean, and is your show successful
1: You know, that is, uh, I feel like that's a problem I have, to be honest (laughs) with you. I mean, I, you know, I think um, I, when I contemplated doing the show, I really only thought about getting to where I am now. Mm. And um,
0: I I thought you were going to say the exact opposite. I thought you were going to say, you know, somebody who's had some past successes so, to me that's my problem is is I always set the bar where I've, where I've been before and if I don't hit that again well
1: this was not this was different insofar as like you know I had been um, you know I left sort of this, this sort of the entertainment world just yeah. because um, I I found it I don't know it was a combination I think of, of having a kid and I just think I found politics more stimulating mm. and um, I don't like running my own business. I really don't. And um, I guess, uh, you know, sort of the dream job would be for me to do this exact job, but have some other company come in uh, and do all the other work that I do and just pay me a salary that's slightly more than this and then figure out how to market it better than I do. So I always I,
0: sort of got the feeling that, you know, that you wouldn't mind being Chris Hayes or that, you know, or, or you know. or I, I,
1: You know, the thing is, no, I wouldn't mind <laughs> doing that at all except for I'm not sure that MSNBC is the place that I would want sure. to do it. I mean, I would I would love to do like a weekend show, I
0: think. Um, You're not going to turn down the opportunity. Should they come knocking no, I, I
1: probably wouldn't, but it's not, it's not something that I um, – I I pine away for you know I filled in for uh, Olbermann in that 8 p.m. slot five or six years ago mm-hmm. and I was doing the show I was like you know this is so much more fast paced yeah and uh, I, 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 at that point I was like this isn't something that I think I want to do like mm. I, w- I guess the dream job would for me would be like to do like a 12 o'clock at night like a Costas but that job like all, to the extent that I have any aspirations like that, I feel like that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's a That's, problem. Yeah. It's like, you know, and, and to a certain extent, like I left straight entertainment business and my aspiration was at that time, like I want to be Rush Limbaugh on the left. Hmm. And, and everything that it means to me, you know, in terms of doing it on sure. the left, which is I'm not going to be, you know, but I... I i and you know over the summer last summer i did a three to six show that fell apart very quickly on on terrestrial radio Mm. when the guys ended up telling me like you know we said you're going to be 90 days till you get paid it's actually going to be closer to like seven or eight months and i was like well i can't do two shows a day i mean this is not possible for me to do it um but i i really liked being on the radio and um and there was something about that medium, even doing the fifteen minutes that I liked, and the, and mm. the idea that like you're, you're trying to hold people just for an extra couple of minutes in yeah. their car, um, and and doing both the long form interview on this show and doing that was actually really sort of gratifying mm. because I couldn't come to get sick of either, uh, on some level, and um, but that industry's gone. it's just like it's it's not there anymore and so it was very weird i sort of left like you know uh a a career in show business for a for an industry that was 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 dying and it and so i mean i guess ultimately i'd like to have a, a, a bigger audience here um if i could do a tv show i think i would rather i would like to do like a you know uh I guess like sort of like a Charlie Rose show, mm. but I mean, who's going to ever want to, you know, yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, because, because I don't know that there's an audience out there sure. to support that, but it's yeah. conceivable to me that it could, you know, it, it could happen in the sort of the new age of like, Oh, there's an, there's an app on your Roku where you can watch a show. Yeah. Like this. And,
0: and that's, and that's, and, and th- this is something I've been coming back to a lot li- lately. It's been kind of a theme on the show. Um, you know i what made me fall in love with with radio initially was was this idea of um you know just like the the, fir- the first radio show i really that really um that, i don't know that, I, that 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 i really connected with was art bell show uh uh-huh. coast to coast yes and what it was about that show was uh you know i was doing radio myself at that time i was in, i was in college and uh, i was driving up at 3am and turning on the radio and Stumbling on Stumbling something into something is that you might never find again, and that's what especially for something like this i mean this is this is the big problem right you've got you've got this really loyal fan base, but you're preaching to your really loyal fan base
1: well i mean i th- these are two separate uh, issues hmm. I have no problem preaching to the conversion <laughs> i I have no problem with that yeah. because in terms of the way the politics works in this country, frankly, five sure, percent sure. is all it takes. Minds. Yeah. No, but it's not even a question mm. of changing minds; it's a question of like a real change comes from five percent. Mm. I mean, net neutrality happened because they got three million, one percent less than one percent of the American population mm. sent in comments to the FCC. And that was enough mm. to ch- to one eighty on on net neutrality. That's a big policy in 25 years from now people are going to look back at that net neutrality decision and be like wow this is why we have hmm. the technology we have I mean much of the problems we have in terms of media uh, concentration is a function of the 1996 telecommunications yeah. act I mean this it doesn't take much to change you know so the idea of like preaching yeah. the converted is is a waste is is really a fundamental misunderstanding yeah. of the way politics works in this country um from a programmatic standpoint in terms of just like what's genuinely fun to me. Like my, f- one of the, my favorite things. And I think for my audience too, was like getting a call from a conservative college, turn the radio. It was like, what the yeah. fuck is this? Yeah. Like, who,
0: yeah. who,
1: who, what, you know, like we, the, the, the deficit doesn't matter or we, we should raise social security or, you know, the, whatever it was that was just, that. You, you just energized. like arguing
0: with people and you like I to incorporate to that in your job a little bit God, more than you yes, can right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, but also, you know, I'm interested in being in a business where, uh, I have influence over, uh, I want to influence the way that people think. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, a lot of, you know, a, a decent amount of podcasts are about like sort of like expressing yourself and this, and that's part of it. But I want to have that influence. I mean, that's what, that's why you get into that. Mm. And, um, it is very hard to do that, um, it's very hard to do that from a podcast. You know, it's fascinating to me to watch like man now can get guests that he could never get. Sure. Four years ago. Right. Because it has so much influence. And, um, and that's just sort of fascinating for me to watch. Like he can, he can get those guests and even guests who are like somewhat reluctant, like, you know, uh, but they know the power of his show, and they'll do it. I mean, it, it's. I,
0: well, he had um, he had Henry Winkler on, and he said, "Oh, you know, my, my son told me to do the show, and that's a perfect." My example son told of me that. the show, but
1: like even today, like uh, you know, in um, he had as a, a surprise guest Jack Black, mm-hmm. and you run into if he runs into Marin in the hotel. Five years ago, mm. and Marit says, "Come do my show." Well, Jackson's gonna be like, "I'm not gonna do it." Yeah, and just because it's a pain in the ass, I don't sure. feel like dealing it. But now, you know, he'll do it. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know for a fact. But, um, but but that. I mean, I know that dynamic. I yeah. You know, I've been in, in. You know, I experienced Hollywood enough from, and, and, and are aware of sort of famous people and sort of busy. Sure. You know that, that the way that that works and. Uh, that's fascinating to me I'm, I'm less interested in that And more interested in just sort of like Being able to move the needle mm. You know ever so slightly And I, I, I can't really do that now I mean the way that it, To the extent that I have any influence On what happens politically In this country it is, um, it is because Of the people who listen to my show Get ideas And they run a You know uh, A group you know, a progressive group or they work as a producer at, you know, at an MSNBC show or a daily show. Or something and that, that like changes
0: in as tangible. What's that? It's not, it's not as tangible. I mean, it's not as, as clear that you've affected that change if it's going through. Oh, no, no. There, there's
1: no way for me to ever say yeah. that I've affected any change. I just know that there are people yeah. who listen there and I know that they make bookings and I know that, um, you know, I, it, I have impacted in the green rooms when I get into an argument with a guy and just like – you know who has a uh, doesn't wasn't aware about this about social security or whatever it is i mean it's very small but it's enough to sort of satiate me on some level but uh, you know and also knowing that like there's no that thing that i aspired to 10 years ago doesn't exist and it's it's mm. never going to exist it's a different it's a different media landscape i yeah. mean theoretically we're all going to have internet radio in our cars but even then it's going to be a much trickier situation. You know, like that conservative sitting in the car is not going to hit that sure. AOL radio yeah, button yeah, yeah, yeah. and then search uh, you yeah. know, through the columns like, oh, I'm going to go progressive talk today. Yeah. Click There's that There's no button.
0: accidental clicking.
1: Not really. Yeah. Well. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you're going to get people who are sort of like, I'm going to be a troll, Sure. which is still good. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we've all listened get to But <laughs> yeah. I get that a little bit with oh,
0: YouTube. I get that a little bit with YouTube. Oh, okay. Recommended videos and...
1: I do uh, uh, videos, uh, people come across videos, and live. And I get yeah. most of the calls that I get, which are sort of confrontational. In fact, all of them, virtually, come because of YouTube.
0: I mean, have you, have you gone out of your way? You know, the, a, a big, a, easy way to, to do that would be to have, to invite conservatives onto the show. To have people listen for those specific personalities, then you're going to get into some fights,
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I've had uh, I I, I have um, I have conservatives on not terribly frequently and maybe as of late, not that much, but but occasionally. But um, it's uh, people will listen to the podcast, but that they won't stay around. You know, it's got to be something that happens sort of like in that moment. They watch a YouTube, and it gets them, you know...
0: Yeah, but a YouTube comment, and, and, and it's just occurred to me as we're saying this right now that you're the first person I can remember talking to, at least in recent memory, that's really, that would like some more trolls.
1: I have <laughs> a... Uh, it is it is a personality defect that I have. Um,
0: <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's one that suits you I, well in this absolutely. format. No, I yeah.
1: really... Um, it's not because I um feel like I can change anybody's mind it's more really just simply say like all right let's put this on for the sake of everybody listening hmm. and and so and for those who the vast majority of people who listen to me already subscribed to my opinion um this is going to be an example of just how bad it is hmm. the 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 uh and how thin it is in terms of the reasoning of, of yeah. others and this is how you also you deal with it because you know i'm preaching to the choir but you know then it's the choir's job to go out and proselytize right they all got to go home and they all work with somebody yeah. and they all eat with people and um and uh so that's you know to the extent that to carry that metaphor that's what happens um and it's also when it's on youtube it really does i mean you can go and you know go look at the libertarian arguments i have it's it's pretty funny to see the comments where people are like well this This libertarian really didn't carry the libertarian banner very well. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. um, it's—I don't know that it has uh, any impact, but I haven't heard a better— a better uh, sort of game plan
0: it, it's interesting because you know all these studies come out about how how entrenched we are in our our yes. beliefs and how if we listen to somebody on the other side it's just going to make us even more entrenched that we're yes. going to dig our heels and so what you're saying is the way that this uh, show like this can potentially affect change is to just have those people you had mentioned something i, I think well let me let me give you an example yeah.
1: with electoral politics the reason why there are two reasons why on off year elections when you have a democratic president mm-hmm. in this instance why uh, the Republicans are gaining ground in the House and in in the Senate. In the House, it has to do with two things. One is uh, it has to do with a certain amount of gerrymandering. Mm. When the the Republicans took over state houses in 2010, they redid the districts, and and, and that has a big influence on it. But the other thing that is even more structural and probably even more relevant is that Republican voters come out during off-year elections Mm. more than Democratic Mm. ones. If you had... The same democratic turnout during presidential elections, uh, during off-year elections, there would never be. Yeah, it would. not wouldn't even be close. And uh, the reason is, is because conservatives are far more motivated. They're far more motivated because of their issue set and just it's their personality type they think they're under siege and because the gays and the muslims are coming to take away their guns
0: but more than that because they have the media base right i mean they, they have the people out there giving them the orders
1: really they have the media base because they're yeah. inclined to they think they're in they think they're in masada mm. they think that they are yeah. that they are like the war it, it is an apocalyptic vision yeah. that, that if they don't stem the tide the liberals and the you know the 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 lesbians and the feminists and the Muslims and the you know are coming to take away whatever's ours
0: but what they had for a number of years that, that the left didn't really have as much until the internet came along um, you know and in, in, to, to a certain extent Air America came along was um, were were the people there on the radio giving them those very specific marching orders? definitely
1: they were regurgitating but they were yeah. also there because there was an audience for yeah, that sure um On the left, you know, look, I would say if I sat down with you, I would guess off the top of my head that nine out of 10 issues I could raise up. You are basically in the same place Mm. as I am. Mm -hmm. But you don't think about them on a daily basis. You don't care about them as much. You (laughs) want to vote for somebody who you think is good and then walk away and do other things. Yes. Because that is almost definitionally what a liberal is. Right. It's like. I want to try new things. I am open to other cultures. I'm open to other mediums. I'm open to all these different things. That's that's definitionally what a liberal is. Uh, And a conservative is almost definitionally the opposite. I'm Mm. afraid of new things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to try new things. I don't want to invalidate anything that I have. I don't want a doubt creeping into Mm -hmm. the way that I have structured my life. And so you're not as interested in listening about politics. You get sick of Mm. it very quickly. Sure. Because you're just like, look, just handle it. I just want to vote for somebody who's good and just handle it. So what I do is I activate people like yeah. you and tell you that it's important enough and 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 and, and rally the choir so that you actually go mm-hmm. and vote or you actually engage in, in in some measure of activism the way that the right does. And so I mean that's really the differential. Well if I could get you to vote on an off-year election, okay, in the way that you're the guy who's conservative the the, the 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 conservative Brian Heater does. We, we would be living yeah. in a very different place right now.
0: I but also, you know, I I, I think it, it's not just it's not just getting bored with politics, but I but, but it seems to me, and maybe it's just because I, I speak to more progressives, but it seems like they become disillusioned so much more quickly that they lose that they lose hope and faith and just decide that it's not even worth fighting the fight.
1: Right. Well, but on the right, it's not hope and faith. Mm. This is, they are fighting for their way of life. Yeah. They are, they are under siege mm. in their minds. And, and to a certain extent, look, you know, they are. I mean, if you, um, if you have a problem with, you know, yeah. uh, with, uh, women working and with, um, you know, women having, uh, some type of authority over their own bodies and, um, you know, uh, uh Gay people getting married, and um, you know, working for a black guy. I mean, yeah, yeah you 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 have reason to be. Uh, well, well, concerned. that's it exactly,
0: right? I mean, if, if everything is sort of you know over time moving towards left for for us, it's just like, well, it's going to move there eventually. For th- it's it's moving. Uh, I, I think socially speaking, yeah, it's moving.
1: I think that's just progress. I think emancipation yeah. is yeah. progress, and it's just I- I- inevitable. What is problematic is that um, the reason why you're not making as much as you would be if you had lived 25 years mm-hmm. ago, uh, you know, if you've been this age at 25 years mm-hmm. ago, is, is um, we are actually regressing in that way. And um, the reason why when you have kids – um, we're not going to have, uh, you know, or, or just like, you know, just look at uh, universal pre-K. I mean, in this city, in New York, 50,000 extra kids got the free universal, uh, got free pre-K. I don't know. You don't have children. You don't appreciate like, that's like a savings. Yeah. If you can afford it, of yeah. like anywhere from like 20 to $30,000 after tax, yeah. I mean, that's an enormous amount yeah. of money. And that's for anybody like that's not just for there's no there's no like cheap uh uh, pre-k uh choice and if you were lucky enough to get in uh then it then it was free but imagine if you're making fifty thousand dollars a year and you've got a family of of just of of four that's a huge Mm -hmm. difference in your life and the 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 implications of that are are huge now We see it in New York City because we we, this is a fairly liberal place and we voted for a fairly, fairly, you know, liberal guy. Um, But there's no reason why that shouldn't be universal Mm. across the country. There's no reason why there shouldn't be more sort of like a federal, uh, um, you know, funds for something like that. Those are the type of things that like um, you, you have to fight for and will require an extended, you know, decade-long effort i mean you know there's a big difference i'm not a huge fan of the affordable care act but the reality is is that you literally have millions of people who either were never going to be able to afford uh health insurance get it through expanded Mm -hmm. medicaid uh or um you know millions of other people who now can afford it to a certain extent it's still way too expensive but that has to do with um you know issues that i think are even beyond insurance as much as you know the, the the medic the way medicines delivered in this country but that makes a big difference in people's lives and um and then again like you know whatever was invested in your college uh the returns for people going to college now are much less i mean you know the, the their money is being concentrated in fewer hands and um and there's something systemically wrong now. This isn't to say that the Democratic Party is necessarily dealing with it. There's very, I think, you know, there's a, there's a fight within the Democratic Party, and even even the the left edges of that fight um, are not necessarily I- in the right space all the time. But th- th- that's a that's a real that makes a bi- big difference. You know, I mean, if um, if Bernie Sanders can push Hillary Clinton to the left on some of these mm. issues, um, if you know just even like in the way that the banking stuff was handled the obama administration had the opportunity to uh bail out the banks through bailing out the homeowners as opposed to just bailing out the banks directly and they didn't do that and that would make a huge difference in our lives today because you still have a million foreclosures out there you have millions of people who lost their homes and it's impacting the economy it's impacting everything and you know but these are very sort of like they're weedy issues that are sort of, you know, not as interesting as most everything else. Except well, for that it actually impacts yeah. your life in a sort of like a very uh, obscure way.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, you 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 worked alongside all of, all, all of these other people in, at America and, Air America. And some of them, you know, stayed in politics in different forms. Obviously, Al Franken. is
1: <laughs> Rachel is, yeah, yeah. is one of the biggest... Uh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, or you know even you know i i think liz is still doing a, a fair amount of stuff she on does a well. lot of yeah. stuff for she's doing uh, lady parts plan, justice and yeah um but but it's all it's just as easy for people to fall away i mean you know obviously everybody's still a little Definitely. political for some degree, to some degree but you know like janine doesn't seem at least on, on the face of it as as active she's not doing a daily radio show um
1: well janine i mean janine had left like you yeah. know uh, a, a year or two into it and i think you know janine is a sort of fairly unique case because she basically I mean you may be too young to remember even but in the lead up to the Iraq war
0: yeah yeah
1: no one was allowed to go on television and say this is a mistake and she was recruited to do that by this group Win Without War because they couldn't get anybody else on and so the the game was played like this um will you let Janine Garofalo come on mm. and argue against the war and the, and Fox and CNN and MSNBC at the time which was also sort of right leaning it's like absolutely of course because we we can
0: easily I forgot s- I forgot how how hated she was she, she was sort of like the Jane Fonda of her was era hated yeah. and like yeah, and I'd forgotten about that we
1: i mean she would get stopped on the street mm. people would pull over their car and threaten her and You know, I contend that what she did was one of the bravest things. I mean, imagine having that level of celebrity, having everyone around you tell you, why are you doing this? Being literally with the knowledge of knowing, like, there's maybe literally a half a dozen people in the country who are allowed to go on mass media and make this argument. And I'm going on because they know they can immediately discredit me because I'm an actor. And she still did it. And, you know, she got... you know she bought like a pantsuit yeah which you know yeah so that she would go on and look uh you know respectable in quotes and she was the only she was the only person i mean i think like mike farrell was allowed to go on at one point another actor but i you know i was intimately sort of like following this at the time i wasn't on the radio i was still doing like you
0: know
1: yeah i was directing i'm with Busey, yeah but um uh it, it, that's what was going on at the time and so I think to a large extent her per, you know her example is sort of unique because yeah, it, she's sort of
0: yeah it hadn't it hadn't occurred to me right now but she she had more to lose than anybody else involved in that venture oh my god yeah.
1: and yeah. no, by the time you know Air America you know a lot of that had died down by the time that she left Air America 2006 the country started to realize like oh my god she was right yeah. they never it was never articulated
0: that way yeah. uh,
1: you know no one ever said like wow yeah, we should have. You know, literally, I, I don't know who would have been in a position to do that, but she should have gotten a medal.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, she like, like, she was so much braver than, you know, you, you can't name somebody who put that much on the line to make that argument. Yeah. You can't because there isn't anybody, and, um, you know, so I think, and, and to a certain extent, it was a little bit. I think
0: like scarring did you get did you ever get the point the the uh the, the idea that she um that she regretted it at any point
1: i don't think she regretted it but i think it was very hard on her yeah and you know she was aff- like when we started air america you know she, we were afraid when we left the building
0: mm. we yeah.
1: would leave i would leave with a yeah. bat to be honest with
0: you. and This was close enough after 9-11. And it was
1: 2004. Yeah. It was a year after the war had launched in yeah. March of 2003. We launched in uh, April of 2004. And um, she was known as the person who was against the war. And, um, you know, there was reason to be concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, they were doing burnings of the uh the dixie chicks mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. i mean there was uh there was reason to be concerned and i think like you know for a long time that made her she was she was angry and and, and it was a tough position to be in because you know she wasn't you know people in show business were like what are you doing and i think she lost i think she lost uh um some work uh sure. from it at the time and I don't think she regrets it, I don't, you know, but I think she, I think it was hard on her and I think so, you know, and it's hard, it's also just doing daily radio and talking about this sure. is, is sort of hard. Yeah. You need to be a little bit obsessive.
0: Yeah, yeah, with well, that, you know, a part part of the reason why, it it, it seemed at the time at least that, that part of the reason why Air America had the, you know relative success that it did was because of the timing was because you know when when you you know you you, you got involved or it, it felt like you know at least based on your interview that um like like me like a lot of people at the time um there was there, no uh, there was no outlet but not only that but but everyone was just really p- i mean it was bush everybody was just really pissed and that and 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 that's part of what made it a success right is that oh, definitely. there was you know that there was an enemy in the white house
1: absolutely without a doubt i mean i think the Well, the whole thing came about. The only reason why, like, I was, you know, I basically, you know, at that time I had a TV show that I had made that was on TV. I was directing one. Uh, I turned down a couple of movie uh, parts because I was like, Mm -hmm. this has to happen now. And and I felt like I'm uniquely suited to do this because, uh, you know, to 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 promote sort of liberal thinkers you know, that was basically what my, I felt my job was like, I'm going to amplify these voices that I'm reading online and bring them on and, and, and try and get them to sell their books and have people go to their, uh, their blogs. And, um, I'm uniquely positioned to do this because nobody can touch me. I, you know, I had a, a, I was doing uh, quite well and made a lot of money in, in show business. And I was like, I don't give a shit. You know, like I don't, I don't give a shit, and I know I'm going to be good at this because I, I can understand what I'm talking about over time, and I have some measure of, you know, theatrics, and so, I felt like I had to do it. Like you know, I got a call from my agent. I was with CAA at the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, we got this movie thing, and I'm like, "I can't." Were you Were you married at the time? I got married. Um, three months after we launched Okay. I mean I was engaged
0: yeah but. I'm just you know I'm wondering so, you know all these all these different steps along the way again when you could have had um, obviously there's no clear my wife path got to...
1: pregnant very, uh, yeah. very quickly after we got married yeah. and, and I don't know if I didn't have a child I would have probably may, I may have gone back to show business after a couple of years that... I don't know
0: that's interesting. I mean, that, that's that's almost counterintuitive to me, right? I mean, it seems like you know when you you, you, you have I a child. I was making good money okay. in show business.
1: I mean, I was making good money, and I was in. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you, you have a kid,
0: in. and and that would direct you into doing these sort of more successful things, versus.
1: I mean, look, I was making good money at the radio. Yeah. I was making it was I was still making money uh, on show business. I was writing scripts for HBO mm-hmm. and NBC, and I turned down at one point. NBC wanted me to direct a show that I had written Mm. as a a, uh, and I was like, I think I'm going to do the radio. I mean, if I didn't have a kid, maybe I would have done it because it would have been like, I'll go out to L.A. for a couple of months or something like that. I don't know. I don't know uh, how all those things sort of combined. I mean, I also found talking about politics to be very sort of gratifying. And, you know, I genuinely believe that this stuff is important. And so it's sort of hard to make that decision of like I'm going to walk away from it, mm. you know, strictly for money. I, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, I see my friends, you know, who have all now like, yeah, you know, this is the age where all my friends are, you know, they're, they're getting success and they're yeah. making, you know, people who are struggling. And at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't struggling. You know, mm. like the dynamic yeah. between Marin and I at that time was very <laughs> different because yeah. he resented that I was you know, I was getting paid a lot of money to do, you know, I would do a pilot a year, maybe two, put me up at the chateau, my mom for a month. Mm. And I mean, I was living it. And, um, you know, now I see like, it's really, it's less, it's, it's the, the money and the lifestyle, you know, like I don't, all I consume is politics now.
0: It's so interesting, though, the way that our our goals shift over the course of our lives because I'm sure that at some point the idea of writing and directing a show for NBC would have been the pinnacle for you, right?
1: You know, um, I always had ambivalence about it. Hmm. I always had ambivalence about it. I was not someone who wanted to be famous. I mean, one of the things I like about the radio is that the only time people recognize you is when they actually like what you do
0: mm, mm-hmm. as
1: opposed to like yeah there's that guy i saw on tv yeah. um
0: and they instantly know who you are versus just being a guy that they can't place in something yeah
1: but it's like they don't it's not the celebrity that they're interested yeah. in it's like actually the work yeah and you know so you know like i get that like you know theater actors get that too you know it's mm. like mm-hmm. um the I, you know, originally went into comedy because I just didn't want to work that much. <laughs> and, um, and then sort of like, uh, I would get on these sitcoms and I was like, God, this is so just not challenging me in any way. And so yeah. it would, I, I was just conflicted. Like, cause like, this is the perfect situation for me. I don't want to work much. I'm going to get paid $60,000 a week to, you know. I mean, I, you know read that much in the morning now yeah and uh and and so i was always just genuinely conflicted and uh i walked away from a lot of stuff like i, I you conflicted know
0: conflicted between being in in politics being a, a no just conflicted with here.
1: like you know i mean i would always like get into these arguments with myself like do you really not want to do this job because it's the comedy is a little bit stupid. And then I would just yeah. sort of like imagine like, what if I like I walked into a bar in Worcester where I grew up and I said, yeah. like, They're gonna pay me fifty grand a week, but I just found like the material to be unstimulating. And I would just think to myself, like, somebody should punch me in the face. Like, you know, this is just like you're so lucky to have this opportunity. Um and but you know, so I don't think I could have left it on my own, but it was like, Oh, wait, here's yeah. Radio. I get to actually do the performance, but actually something that's stimulating to me and I can make good money. Like, you know, I thought when I entered in there, I was like, I'm going to be Rush Limbaugh. I'm going to make I mean, I think I, I was like explicit, like I'm going to show people that you can make money as a liberal, you know, uh, it, you know, because at the time that, that that idea was just absurd. And uh, I was like, I'm going to show people you can make money as a liberal, and and that's I'm going to be a professional propagandist for the left, and and that's what I would explicitly say.
0: Was you know, in, in between the the sitcoms and and the radio, you were you were uh, making your own films. I mean, was that not fulfilling enough in and of itself?
1: That was fulfilling. I mean, it, you know, that's the thing is that like that's the stuff to the extent that I that I miss. Like you know, when I did uh, pilot season, which was the sequel yeah. to Who's a Caboose. I think I said this uh, to Marin, like, you know, I got the chance to do a sequel to a movie that nobody had seen. Yeah, nobody they had bought it, yeah. the rights to the movie. They play, and then I did six episodes. So, sort of based on like um, the you know that series uh, Seven Up. Oh yeah, yeah, the, Every the seven British years, guy Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, a little bit of that and a little bit of helter skelter, where uh, mm. they show the stones like the footage from uh, you know uh, the the concert, and they react to it, and that becomes part of the movie. Well, that that oh, happened um, in Give Me Shelter. Yeah, that yeah. happened in uh, Give Me Shelter. That that happened in um, uh, in, in the show too. And yeah. we sold the show, and we were the first narrative show on Trio. Mm. They bought it. They loved it. Andy Cohn was actually one of the executives. I put him in Hmm. the show at the Mm -hmm. end. They bought it. They gave us an air date, flew me out to L.A. to do, like, the media thing, and then they announced that the network was being bought and closed down. And I was just like, God fucking damn it. You know, it was just – I mean, I think to a certain extent what just happened is, like, I was in a raft – yeah, And I was like, as long as I stay close to the shore, I can go back there if I want to. And then at one point, it just sort of like I wasn't paying attention. I sort of drifted away. And um, the writer's strike, mm. I got caught up in that a little bit. And I had a deal that sort of fell apart because of the writer's strike. And then, I don't know. It was just, I was always ambivalent about show business. And so, it wasn't that hard for me to leave. When I had something else that was more stimulating,
0: and, and and you 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 seem like somebody who has some trouble being dependent on other people, other corporations, and and what, you know what what's really interesting about looking at um, at your show and and Marin's show at the same time, um, something I'm. Slightly en- 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 envious of, of both of you about is that you know you're able to sort of go out and, and do your own thing, but under very dis- different circumstances, right? And there's two there, there, there's two reasons why people go out and, and do their own thing. Uh, one of them is that you know they already have an infrastructure in place, and they'll be okay if it's not successful, which seems like it's the case here versus Mary, which is just like they, they've they got nothing to lose.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think I launched this and I was in this sort of the same boat. No, like really? I didn't okay. know, you know, I, I, I didn't know how I would swing like I'm going to move my family out to L.A., which is where I would have had to go to sort of get back into yeah. showbiz. I mean, I was like floating around for a year, not sure what I should mm. do and trying to figure out like what do I want to do? I mean, that's always been yeah. a, a, a problem for me. It's sort of like uh, I get. Sort of overwhelmed by the number choices. of choices, yeah. and yeah. Uh, my biggest envy of Marin is uh, is Brendan, his producer, <laughs> know, <because laughs> who used to be your producer, used to be our producer yeah. at, at Breakroom Live, and he yeah. was always sort of like Marin's producer, okay. right? I, mean, I think, and because um, uh, he'd come with him off of uh, the first show that Marin had done, and um, he's he's a great producer, and yeah. I would love, th- you know, to have that that type of you know sort of relationship but i'm not sure that i'm capable of either either finding that person or of like accepting that that lack of control or i don't yeah. know what it would be but um i'm definitely open to it. i mean that's like sort of that's you asked me what my aspiration is, that like to have yeah. someone who's like i come in to work every day and they uh but you know this i don't have the revenue i think to support someone of that quality
0: you've got a team here though you've got I get a guys. team yes
1: yeah. and but it's it's um you know these guys are you know sort of quasi part-time and, mm. um and their their aspiration is not to be a producer yeah i think yeah and so um but yeah we i have a, a, a you know a staff and a team and um they're they're really good particularly on the show too Um, you know, producing standpoint, it's not, you know, I think it's more like they're almost more contributors on some level. Do you do better with a creative partner
0: um, in, in the times that you've had somebody that you're really, really sort of working with to, to make a product? I mean, you know, producer is a very different relationship.
1: You know, it's weird. I mean, I did a lot of stuff with Benjamin, Mm -hmm. John Benjamin. Uh, We had a duo at one point and, and most of the things I wrote were sort of centered around a dynamic like that. Yeah um on some level or another uh and then you know I worked with Janine for a while I mean I think like it depends on what it is yeah. um I mean I think I'm good at sort of being the straight man but then I hit a point where I'm like wait a second uh you know like I'm yeah uh so I think to a certain extent yeah I mean, more so than Marin, I will say that That's right fair. now. Well, so the, when the he place. says that I'm difficult to work with, he's, he's, he's the he's the he's <laughs> the, he's the, 1%.
0: Really the one percent um, Getting back to this this idea of success, uh, where if the show stays where it's at for ever, are you happy with that?
1: I mean, I think uh, probably not. I mean, I think that you know it's 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 too hard. It's too hard to do. I mean, I think, you know, I I could conceive of, like, down the road doing, like, three days a week. Mm. I actually think that, like, five days a week is too much. And I haven't quite figured out how to deal with that. Mm. Um, I think five days a week is, is for a free podcast, is too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also think that my members who really support the show want it to be five days a week. So it's conceivable to me that, like, I'll go to some uh, slightly different model. And I also... You know, we're sitting here in sort of like an ancillary. Yeah. I was going to uh, ask you about. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm.
0: We're going to see I'm
1: going to try and launch some other shows. Yeah. Uh, basically, just because I miss some part of my creative part of my brain. Uh, and, you know, I don't have a lot of time to think about broader broader issues for like the business or even just sort of like narrative stuff i mean i you know the the thing that i take pride in in my interviews is that i do you know topics that are not necessarily terribly sexy Mm. um and i structure them narratively i think well and um you know so i think we might you know try and launch some other podcasts and Just got to be sort of strategic about it because, you know, the one value I have as opposed to just anybody showing up with a recorder is, you know, to a certain extent, maybe my perspective is sort of directorially, but really more so I have an audience that I can ask Mm -hmm. to to sample something that can push it up in the sort of the algorithms that could get it sort of to just be above the fray for a couple of days so that other people can sample it. I mean, that's basically it. It's
0: also always nice having, um, you know, creative, talented, and and successful friends who can help you out from time to time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that uh, I would actually even do... I'm not even Mm -hmm. contemplating about doing it that way. Like, you know, maybe I would do something with Benjamin. Yeah, uh, his
0: voice is still kind of the voice of your show.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I think it would be stuff that is not necessarily... um, um. The, it, I think it, I would sort of like do different like even more sort of like a straightforward hmm. I don't know I mean I don't know yeah. exactly I don't know that it, it's still hard for me to sort of like do comedy Yeah. while I'm doing this because this stuff is so literal that I do Um. it's just hard for me to for me like you know when I would do like you know Like pilot season or caboose i would just immerse myself in it very very deeply so that at three in the morning i would have ideas at six in the morning at at lunch and it would be constantly in that world yeah and um i can't i don't have the time to do that when i'm in because i do that with this with this show and
0: you also just I mean you you know you get you get older and it just gets hard you know I've, I've 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 run into this too you know I used to have so much energy after working you know 9 or 10 hours a day to go home and keep writing and keep working on these other projects and you just
1: right well the other problem I go home I have yeah, a 9 year old and I have a 2 year old and so I yeah. got to make dinner on nights that my you yeah. know, my wife is staying late or you know that's half the time and uh and then i get to argue with them about
0: <laughs> cuz that's what you do <laughs> well unfortunately what has
1: happened i think it's genetic uh yeah. either i've trained them to argue yeah. with me or i have simply passed that on so i have extended arguments with my daughter um mostly civil and mm. uh even with my 2 year old son now who's, who's like learned that He thinks that if he hides his hands behind his back that I won't know that they're there when I'm asking Mm -hmm. him to wash his hands. I don't know if he thinks that I'm that stupid or he thinks that they just disappear or what.
0: I'm going to really enjoy, you know, 15, 20 years from now when he has a really successful conservative blog.
1: Exactly. Yes. Well, that's the big joke, right? Is like that my daughter or my son is going to be doing yeah. the show in twenty
0: years. Also, that he thinks his hands disappear when they go away. So, he's,
1: well, if he could figure that out, he may have. A, he may have like a. That, he may be printing his own ticket right there, or he could just dissolve parts <laughs> of his
0: body. Um, you did. You did mention that you were a magician early on. Yes,
1: <laughs> so. when I was a little kid. Yes, <laughs> I used to do magic shows. Like when I was, I think.
0: I think that was that, that was uh, this uh, this is almost becoming a sequel to that interview. But I have to say that the to me, you know, what I've noticed between the, your your guys's interaction together um, on on camera and the the couple of times that I went into the show is um, the most like Marin versus Cedar moment was when uh, you mentioned that you were a ma- magician uh, at like eight or whatever, and he said, you know, did you put people into the tank? And you said, I was eight. Yeah, yeah. And to me that just totally encapsulated your dynamic. I will say
1: the the meanest thing I ever did to Marin and I don't know if it came up it may I don't know if it came up in the interview. I can't remember. We did it like two or three months mm. ago. But to get under his skin, I can't and it was really it was mean. But it was also like like my feeling, like you know, as you can see, like on my face, I'm like it was mean, but you know what? Not really. Uh, um,
0: or at least he he deserved it.
1: I felt at the time he did, and I needed to do this because he was just like he was being impossible, and, <laughs> and like I am honestly doing him a service, not being specific about it. Um, but I come in, we would sit at desk. You yeah. saw the desk yeah, we yeah, yeah, sat yeah. At, right? Yeah. It's like this one here where. Yeah. It, it, it was like one desk one desk essentially yeah. and he would sit on one side and i would sit on the other and i came in and brendan would sit in the corner in this room and i remember this just because it worked out exactly <laughs> as i had planned it i came in one day he's sitting at the computer and you know the, you got to put this in the context of like i'm like saying we should be doing something slightly different with the show. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, at one point I was like, okay, fine. You don't want to, that's fine. I'm perfectly willing to, you know, cause I was writing a script for HBO. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I sat down and he's typing away and sort of he's pissed. I mean, he would get pissed because even though I was brought on to talk about the politics, Whenever I would talk about politics, it would make him feel bad about himself. That was the dynamic. That he didn't know about it? Yeah, yeah I yeah. assume. Like, I would say, like, dude, I would say, like, look, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You're the one who's going to make the show more popular. Yeah. Who cares and if we're you on don't have a political
0: know. station? But
1: <laughs> it made him feel bad. It made him feel bad yeah. about himself, okay? And I think it was just a cont- in the context of everything else. But it's like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? You're a grown man. <laughs> Just deal with it. You know about stuff I don't know mm-hmm. about at
0: all. And we have access to all the same information.
1: Well, but no, but, it, but I feel it's like I'm perfectly willing yeah. being that guy. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'll be Al Roker. You <laughs> be Matt Lauer. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter, you know, or vice versa. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. But he, he couldn't deal with it at the time. And, you know, it was. And, and to be fair, it was a very hard time for him, I think, you know, with his, with yeah. his wife. And, uh, in fact, you can, when we were on air and I would do my stuff and we kept changing it every week cause he get, he would get, he didn't like the way that it was going or whatever. And I'm like, all right. And every time I do, it, you could hear him sighing in the background, like literally just like this. And it would, I would just, and then the way I would react on air would be like, oh, I'm going to go deeper into this. <laughs> like if this is like, if he's finding it like tiresome or just annoying that i'm talking about you know social security well wait a second let me add another layer of projections so let's instead of just talking about 2022 let's talk about 2026 and i would do that just to irritate him but one day i came in and you know he's not like this anymore which is i think sad but he's you know because he's more mature but he would resent other people's success tremendously now he's very successful So I would come in. I remember specifically one day, just coming in, sitting down, and going like, "Oh my God, Brendan!" <laughs> you know, cause I don't want to make it seem like I was saying,
0: "Yeah, you were setting him up."
1: I can't. Did you see the ad for Patton Oswalt in the fan? Like this movie's going to be fucking huge. He's going to be huge. It's unbelievable. Like this guy, like it's everywhere. No. And Brendan, I think, like sort of knew what I was doing. <laughs> and I'd be like, Wow. Jesus. I mean I just can't believe it. It looks like it's gonna be a great mm. movie. I mean it really <laughs> looks like it's gonna be a great movie. And then like literally five minutes later, Merrill <laughs> slam his hand on the desk and go, What the fuck is going on with our show? We need to get more marketing and he would just storm out of the room and just like go down to the executive and, like, We need more marketing. This is bullshit we this is this is not working Mm. and it was all because of like it took like that long for it to just to sort of like boil up yeah boil up (laughs) and i I just like that to me was like sort of the dynamic where he was being immature and i was um very um i mean Not in context, it feels very inappropriate and mean on my part. But on another level, it's like um, one has to remember, like, what's it like for someone where just sort of hearing that somebody has these ads in this film makes them that mad? What's the rest of the day like? Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: I I get get that to to some degree. And, And again, this is a side effect of surrounding yourself by with creative people who are going to be successful oh
1: yes well that said yeah I mean I became friends with Mark because I was a huge fan yeah. and uh, you know when we were out yeah. in San Francisco yeah. I would shadow him he was basically like I mean we have like a I think like a little bit of a sibling yeah there's a little bit of a sibling I dynamic
0: I think but but you know so, so you know you've got you've got Mark you've got um you, you, you mentioned Sarah Silverman on the show are, are you at a point now I mean do you again you seem reasonably happy with where you are but um you don't get jealous at all? Are are you happy that that Mark finally found his niche? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, no.
1: No, I don't get jealous. I mean, it's weird. You know, I read a story just the other day about um a woman like a 30-year-old woman who was the the headline was like left a $90,000 job mm. to go to the Bahamas in 10 bar and
0: yeah 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 Yeah, i can't remember what it was she was
1: doing and i don't even remember why that was like yeah was that really the first time that's happened Mm -hmm. but she said that one thing that she was worried about is you know it's possible she said like you know i'll look in 10 years and see the success my friends have had Mm. and, and feel jealous and i you know i'm not jealous of any like individual i do see like you know it's whenever i watch a television show or go to the movies i see people who like yeah yeah but yeah 10 years ago uh they would have come to me for advice or something yeah exactly um and just the lifestyle uh is is when you just see the lifestyle Mm. when you just project it um it is it's easy to forget that like uh, they don't know when their next job is coming. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, like this is going to be a good two years, but in the year after that, it may be tough. And I think, to a certain extent, I wasn't—I didn't like that part yeah. of it—or, um, so no, I don't. I never like. I am not that competitive of a person. I get competitive, but in in other scenarios, I—I I honestly couldn't be happier for Marin. I do um, – there is a part of me that, like, um, uh, I, it bothers me that I can't get his goat in the same way that I used to. <laughs> um, and I try. But that's not, like – I don't begrudge him his success. Yeah. I mean, that's just, like, a unfortunate byproduct. Yeah. That he's just not as cantankerous. And um, But I am – you know, ultimately, I'm happy that he's much happier. and. Um, no, I don't get jealous of, of that. My wife asked me that and I just, it doesn't, I I don't get that. I, I, I'm not competitive in that way. Mm. I'm like compete against people who I like, I, I I perceive as my enemies. Mm -hmm. And, um, those are like, I don't get jealous of like Sean Hannity, but I do like, feel like, God, I don't like him. You know that, like I think he's doing bad things. Mm. Um,
0: you don't feel like you need to kick Amy Goodman's ass, though.
1: No, no, I don't. Uh, no, I don't. I like Amy Goodman, <laughs> um, and I think maybe that's what it comes down to. I just, I'd never, you know, like I'm, like if I play basketball with you, I'll be competitive. Yeah. Uh, but I, it has to be like a specific, like competitive arena, and I think that's, you know, to a certain extent, that's, I think. I. I I, it's, it's some type of lack of ambition, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but um, I don't – I have to have a problem with you yeah, uh, to be competitive
0: with you. You'll argue with somebody, but you won't necessarily be
1: I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, oh no, I'll argue with anybody. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like literally like that's fun for me. Um, whether it's a friend or not, I mean, L- let me just
0: say though, given 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 that, given everything that we've talked about right here, uh, you know, given given how much you love arguing, how concerned you are about politics, um, your 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 specific skill set, you seem to be exactly where you should be in the world right now. Like this, this show seems to be. I mean, you you've carved out your your, your niche in yeah, the perfect way. yeah, I feel like that. I mean, yeah.
1: you know, it's weird, but if yeah. Um... Uh, uh, an old friend of mine who's a comedy writer like 20 years ago said like you know your perfect job would be just like a talk show where all you see is just your mouth moving (laughs) and uh, I mean I think to a certain extent yeah I mean this is I would like um, double or triple the size audience and you know 25% more revenue so I could you know hire another person and have them deal with like the business stuff, mm. um, and but that's about you know yeah. off the top of my head.
0: Um, but but are you going to make compromises to get there? No,
1: that's the that's the problem. You know, <laughs> that's the that's the problem. I mean, that is the problem.
0: There you have it. That was Sam Cedar. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. I'm a big fan of what Sam does. Uh, if you're looking for a political podcast, let's do a daily political podcast. I highly recommend the Majority Report. You can check that out over at majorityreport.fm. You know, every single time uh, MSNBC does, brings on a new host, does a new show, I feel like, I, I just feel like he's right on the edge really, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we can start some sort of, like, org petition, or wherever the kids are petitioning these days to, to get him a program over there. I think it would be very good. But... I don't want to say that. yeah, I don't want to suggest that that's that podcasting is any sort of a consolation prize because, as we know, it's a very viable and vibrant medium. Uh, you can check that out, MajorityReport.fm. So, oh, and in a little bit of context, this is—I know this is extremely late for context because you've already listened to the the entire interview. But I met Sam about five years ago. He was it was kind of the death rattle of Air America he was doing a show with Mark Marin. It was called Breakroom Live. It was quite literally in the break room, in the kitchen of this radio station. Um, it, it, you know, it was, this was like 2008, 2009, I think. So it, in, in a lot of ways, it was an early video podcast. Um, you know, it felt like a, it was that podcast quality. And really, when you think about it, um, you know, uh, at least in terms of Sort of recording setting. I don't know that either of them have really come all that far. Uh, you know, Mark is recording in a garage. Sam's actually got a pretty, pretty nice, pretty nice studio going on in, in, in downtown Brooklyn. I think he just moved over there recently. Anyway, in the break room, they were sitting in front of a, a, a vending machine, and particularly toward the, the beginning of the show, I think when when people didn't really know what was going on, you would just see staff members walk through the background just buy stuff in the vending machine and do like stuff. Um just check it out I, obviously not uh, the subject matter isn't as relevant as it was five years ago but but highly entertaining watching the two of them interact um, and so I had that on my mind and I also as I was driving as I was taking the trade over I was listening to uh, Sam Seders interview on WTF so so the, the, the conversation was very much, in a lot of ways, a reflection of those two things. Um, it was really, it was interesting, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of both their work, it was really interesting watching them interact uh, in person, their their relationship is, uh, adversarial is maybe a good word, antagonistic. Combative is maybe a good word as well. Very very entertaining, but you um, can never really tell how much they actually like each other. And that also, that also, I think, kind of came across on, on the WTF interview as well. So I wanted to do some follow-up on that, but uh, I think uh, it, was a, it was an entertaining uh, conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the off chance that you listened to that entire interview and didn't stop and go back and listen to the, to the WTF TIF interview, uh, I highly recommend that you do that as well. Um, you know, if you, do, if you do have a mode for... Traveling back in time, I, I, you know, maybe and maybe listen to podcasts while you're in your time machine. Go back, listen to that one first, and then listen to mine, or just listen to mine again. It was super. It was a fun time. There's no reason not to do it. But if you do do that, you know, go del- delete it off of your thing and then redownload it this week certainly certainly use the download numbers so thank you so much to sam for taking the time to do that you can check out his show over at MajorityReport.fm. uh thanks to brian as always for editing this thing together um thanks to everybody at the boing boy podcast network uh thanks to you the listener for listening to the show if you liked what you heard please rate us over on itunes uh you can follow us over on tumblr it's rylcast.tumblr.com that is the first and uh most completest place to find all the information of the show. If you have any feedback or anything like that, that's r- at railcast at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook thing, which I I promise I'm going to start doing a better job of updating, so you can check us out over there as well. Uh, I know that the last few episodes I was talking about this new new job that I got and how I might not have the opportunity to do uh, as, as many episodes of the show, or at least, you know, not do them on as, as, as regular of a basis, but good news, uh, I just got back from Comic-Con, I was in San Diego for the last four days, and, uh, you know, on top of my... My, my day job stuff got a lot of really fantastic interviews over there. Um, we're going to be airing an interview with uh, Congressman John Lewis. That's, that was—I I can't even begin to talk about how amazing that was. Uh, Jaime Hernandez. Uh, a lot of, lot of good and, and interesting folks over in, uh, uh, over in, in comics land. And just lots of good episodes lined up for you guys. So stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RAYL.